Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. All right, so thank you for tuning in to Chomping the Bit. I'm Kyle Edwards, of course. And like I said, hopefully you, you know, stumble upon here if you're new and you like, you know, the content and then stick around for some more episodes. But this episode, we're going to focus on the NBA. Uh, like I said, last episode, I'm going to be touching on different sports all week. Um, last episode's about baseball lockout. This episode, we're going to look at the NBA and the second half, in quotes, because most teams have played about 60 games by now, but we are coming out of the All-Star break. You know, beginning of the season, everybody talks about it's a marathon, not a sprint. Well, now we're in sprint mode because don't really have the, you know, capacity to go through losing streaks at this point. The playoffs are right around the corner, so it's all about positioning yourselves in the best possible seed for yourself. If you're a team that's in the play-in tournament currently, you're looking to get out of that, get into the top six to be in the playoff field. If you're outside the play-in tournament, now's the time to make your move to get up into the play-in tournament. So I'm going to look at East, West, the whole NBA and look at some of the second half storylines that I'm going to be really be paying attention to. By that, I, you know, mean, you know, teams to watch, situations to watch within these teams. As, like I said, we sprint to the finish line at the end of the regular season. So, uh, I guess we'll just go ahead, kick this off, and look at first storyline that I'm looking forward to is the Brooklyn Philly situation so they pull off that big deal or I'm um, at the trade deadline Harden for Ben Simmons other parts involved of course but those are the two main parts of the trade so now we're going to be looking at one when does Ben Simmons come back when he does what does that do for Brooklyn because we know that they've been in a free fall lately. So does his ability to get back out into the court change the tide there? Or, you know, do they manage to kind of right themselves right out of the break? Because right now they're sitting at eighth and they're three and a half out of being an 11th. But they're also two and a half out of being in sixth so it's definitely important for them to get a quick start out of the break uh kevin durant supposed to be back soon we know that's gonna help the Kyrie situation uh looking at 
I believe I saw a story because they played with 59 games, so they have 23 left. And I think out of the 23, Kyrie will only be eligible to play in eight of them. So that's going to be definitely part of the story. So can Brooklyn get uh, Kyrie, KD, Ben Simmons on the court together in enough time for them to gel together for a playoff run? Philly side, want to see how Harden and Embiid play together. Uh, Harden, you know, we saw what happened at the end there in Brooklyn where he quit on the team. Is this a situation where if he gets to Philly and it's not going his way, maybe the team starts losing some games? Does he quit on them? Does his presence there, you know, change anything about the way Embiid's playing? Uh, is Harden going to be, you know, I guess readily accepting, you know, that he's going to take a serious backseat to Embiid as Embiid has been the much better player this year and see what Doc Rivers does with the two of them. So that was the first storyline, that situation. Uh, the second storyline I'm looking at, uh, the Celtics. We know that the Celtics went into the All-Star break, winners of 9 out of 10. You know, they lost that game to Detroit, their last game before the break. So now coming out of the break, we'll see, uh, did did the break, you know, kill whatever mojo or good fortune that they had on the winning streak? And did they struggle, you know, stumble a little bit coming out of the break? You know, we had the Marcus Smart injury to deal with. Uh, Rob Williams is hurt, but I feel like he'll probably be back after the break. They're still getting Derek White integrated into their system. So can they hit the ground running again and, you know, continue their great play on defense and their better efficiency offensively? Or do they slip into some bad habits that, you know, got them in trouble early on? earlier on in the season and will they really feel the loss of Marcus Smart third one I guess it'd be well you know the race at the top in the Eastern Conference is a really great race right now because you have the Heat and the Bulls who have identical records right now for the top seed Philly Cleveland and Milwaukee are only two and a half back So I'm interested to see who emerges from that group, gets the one seed, and, you know, sets themselves up to have the Eastern Conference run through their building on the way to the finals. And in that group with Milwaukee, can Milwaukee put together a run like last year and pull off the rare feat of a back-to-back title in the NBA uh, that, that would be interesting to watch. You know, you have Cleveland, who's the the new kid on the block. You know, they had a great first half of the year. Now let's see how they do in the pressure pack situations that will come with the end of the year. And now, you know, each loss, you know, a couple of losses, they could they could easily get knocked into the play-in tournament. A hot week, they could find themselves at the top of the Eastern Conference. 
But for a team and a group that hasn't really been in this situation before, interesting to see how do they deal with, you know, an adversity of, you know, back-to-back losses and teams around them are starting to jump them a little bit. What happens? Do they come together and play better? Or because of their, you know, inexperience in this situation, does it really get to them and just send them sinking? Um, another storyline I'm looking at, L.A. basketball. Between the Clippers and the Lakers, the Clippers we know, no Kawhi Leonard all year. Paul George has missed good portion of the year. They're sitting at 30 and 31, eighth in the West. We know that Paul George will probably come back at some point. Um, Kawhi, on the other hand, not really sure what the timetable is there. But if they get George back, what does that what does that mean for them? You know, they're four and a half out of sixth. So are they destined to be in the play-in? And if that's the case, you know, sure, Paul George gives them a good chance if they're able to make it out of the play-in tournament to, you know, give one of the top seeds in the West a hard time. But obviously the Clippers don't want to be in the play-in tournament. You know, nobody really wants to be in the play-in tournament. But, um... You know, for all of the promise of the duo with Kawhi and Paul George, what it could have brought to Clippers basketball, could be looking at another, you know, disappointing year with the two. But not as disappointing as it is with the other LA team and the Lakers. You know, they struggled all year, as I kind of predicted before the season started. So the trade deadline's gone, all-star break is gone, and the Lakers are running out of time to really, you know, figure out whatever issues they have, put together a good stretch of basketball, and at least give Laker fans the sense that in the playoffs, it'd be different than last year, because we saw last year, they were in the playing tournament, LeBron, you know, went off about how the playing tournament, he doesn't like it. And then they made it out of the playing tournament to only get beat by, was it Phoenix last year? Which was that series where Chris Paul had the bum shoulder and couldn't really shoot. But Phoenix was still able to beat the Lakers. Well, now they're sitting ninth, 27 and 31. Uh, Anthony Davis looks like he's going to be out for a while. So who's going to step up? You know, you've got LeBron, who, you know, a lot of people are falling falling in love with his numbers and the points he's been putting up, but hasn't really equated to a lot of wins. So I guess we'll have to see. Can LeBron... Uh, Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, and the rest of that, you know, group that they brought together. String together a couple of weeks of good basketball 
and kind of just take their chances once the playoffs get here. Um, also interested to see the Memphis Grizzlies, who right now are the third team in the West. Don't know if you knew that or not, but they are 41-19. and 19. This is a group that's kind of like Cleveland in the East, where they're having a lot of success this year. It's a young team that hasn't been in this situation before. So we're going to have to see how do they handle it and are they you know, able to break up the top two in the West of Phoenix and Golden State. Uh, Memphis is now with eight behind Phoenix, but they're a game and a half behind Golden State. You know, can Memphis slip in there, get a top two seed, uh, bring some excitement to Memphis? Because if you watch them play, John Morant is as exciting to watch as almost any other player in the league. You know, they got Jaron Jackson. They have what? Um, who that? They got like Melton, Desmond Bain, who saw in the three-point contest. And some other guys that they play an exciting brand of basketball. And going up against some of these more veteran teams in the West, that could be what keeps them towards the top of the West and could make them a problem in the playoffs. We know a lot of teams like to play slow down half-court basketball. If Memphis can buck the trend and play fast, they could give some teams some problems. And then speaking of the top of the West, Phoenix. Now, we learned over the All-Star break that Chris Paul has a fractured thumb. I believe he's going to be out like six to eight weeks. What does that do to Phoenix? You know, Chris Paul plays a big part in what Phoenix has done. He's their leader for the point guard position. So when the team started to, you know, kind of get out of hand, he... I guess, you know, he's like an extension of Monty Williams on the court, can get them in the right set and get the offense back on track. So with him not there, this now puts a lot more pressure on Devin Booker to, you know, pick up a lot of the uh, slack on offense. If they're going through a lull, look for Devin Booker to try to, you know, Get to his spots in the mid-range. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Or just basically run the offense through him. They can run the pick and roll with DeAndre Ayton. You know, they still have bridges on the wing. So we'll, we'll see. Does this injury, you know, make an impact? Maybe not right out of the gate, but as the second half, once again, in quotes, you know, starts to wear on some of these teams, will we see, will we noticeably? 
see a difference on the court with the Suns now that Chris Paul's gone. And then with that, does that allow Golden State to make the run up to the top, uh, top of the West? Because we know that um, Steph Curry, who just put on the show at the All-Star game with the 15 threes, I mean, they don't have Draymond Green, which definitely is a big loss for them. But we're seeing the emergence the emergence of Jonathan Kaminga. And if Phoenix slips a little bit, that six and a half game lead that they have on Golden State could start shrinking very quickly. And for all we know, Golden State can end up as a top seed. And it has been great seeing you know, Clay Thompson back. You know, he's still kind of getting his conditioning and his legs under him. But if he can get that and get back to being, you know, fully 100% Clay Thompson, Golden State could be a very dangerous team in the West. Um, I think another second half storyline. So for me, and you as well, you let me know. Uh, Look at the East real quick again. The team that's in the play-in tournament currently that I think is the biggest threat to make the top six would obviously have to be Brooklyn. Once again, that's going to be based off of when does Simmons come back, which I know Simmons has talked about. He would love to be on the court for when Brooklyn goes to Philly and plays the Sixers, which I think is early March. Might be like March 10th or something. So, hey, maybe Simmons is using that as a target date, which, gotta admit, I'm here for it. I mean, you want to hold a grudge like that? Hey, do you. So, if those three come, will come back, you know, Durant coming back, Simmons coming back, Kyrie. I mean, Adam Silver went on what first take, talked about the whole New York mandate, how he's kind of upset by it because, like, visiting players don't have to play with the same rules as Kyrie. So maybe there's some change that's going to happen there. And maybe Kyrie will be available for more than the eight games that he currently would be. But if that trio can get on the court together, you know, KD is KD. You know, probably the most dangerous man with the ball in his hands right now. Kyrie, we know the dribble package that he has, the ability to create his own shot, all that. Simmons, without the pressure that was there in Philly, he could be free to play how he wants to, which is just facilitate and play defense. And Brooklyn fans will be fine with that. Like I said, they're only two and a half out of six behind the Celtics. So they're the team to watch that can make the jump. Now, a team outside of the play-in that can make a move into the play-in in the East. To be honest with you, I don't think any of them will. So I think the top 10 that you have right now in the East is probably the 10 you're going to have for the rest of this run here. Obviously, the positioning will vary from now till the end of the year. 
but I think this 10 is pretty much locked in, even though Washington's only a game behind Atlanta. I mean, I'm not buying into Washington. Haven't all year, even when they had the hot start. I knew it wasn't going to last. Bradley Beal's out for the rest of the year. So, yeah, not worried about them. The Knicks, four and a, three and a half. Yeah, three and a half behind Atlanta. Knicks haven't really played good basketball all year. Now, last year they made their run after the All-Star break. This year just seems different, you know. I've talked to people, like, on Twitter and all that. The Knicks' struggles this year aren't new to me because Julius Randle was playing for a contract last year. You look at him this year, not the same guy. They brought in Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, who struggled in Boston. Boston was ready to get rid of. The Knicks jumped on it. Hasn't really worked out for them. They still don't have Derrick Rose, who's probably... To be honest with you, maybe their most important player. And if he comes back, I don't know if that moves the needle enough to get them back into the play-in tournament. So I think the 10 that's right now in the East are locked in. Out West, a team that's in the play-in tournament that can make the jump up to the uh, top six. Maybe Minnesota? Because, I mean, Minnesota does have talent. Uh, just that they're another team. A lot of ex- lot of inexperience, you know, as a group being a legit playoff team. So we'll have to see how well they execute in these games now. You know, and in order for them to get to the top six, I mean, somebody would have to drop out. They're two and a half behind the Nuggets. Four behind Dallas. All right, maybe Utah, who's in fourth right now. I mean, Minnesota's like five and a half behind them, but Utah hasn't really impressed me this year. And I watched that game that they had against the Lakers. Well, it was a few, few days before the All-Star break. Utah just... I don't know. They they don't play well in end of game situations, and that's kind of bothersome to me. It seems like when it comes down to it in the end of these games, it just turns into Donovan Mitchell you know, try to make a great play. You know, most people you would say call it hero ball, but they kind of just stop moving the ball, and it turns into Donovan Mitchell at the top dribbling around. Yo trying to step back or something so I'm not impressed with Utah I don't think they're a legit threat so could I see them dropping out possibly that's probably Minnesota's best bet to get up into the top six a team outside the plan who could get into the plan I mean, the Pelicans just got C.J. McConnell at the break. McCollum at the um, trade deadline. I'm not that big of a McCollum guy. So I don't know what that does for New Orleans. And, side note with New Orleans, 
this whole Zion Williamson thing. At a certain point, New Orleans have to seriously think about whether or not Zion's a guy that they can rely on. If they can't, they have to make the tough decision to probably have to move on from him. Like, you know, once his rookie deal runs out, maybe they don't really push as hard to try to bring him back. Because one, this foot issue or whatever he has, and the fact that he hasn't come back from it yet, you're not really hearing much about it. That's troublesome. JJ Reddick, you know, spoke on first take about, uh, like he talked to Williamson about his behavior or something like that. He's, I don't know, so, something weird is going on there. And I think New Orleans got to deal with that in the offseason. The Spurs, the Spurs aren't really looking to win right now, so. It looks like the teams that are out west, the top 10 that's there will probably be the teams in the top 10. So I don't think there's a team outside the plane that's going to get in right now. But yeah, um, I think those are the storylines that I'm really looking at for the second half of the year. And as I said, even though they called the second half of the season, all of these teams have played like 70% of their schedule. So, like I said, it is sprint mode time. But, um, but yeah. So, you know, let me know, you know what team you're watching in the second half. You know, who's your sleeper pick to make a move to the top of either conference. Now, of course, I'm a Celtics fan, so I'm definitely going to be watching them and hoping that they keep up their great play since January 1st. And hopefully Marcus Smart isn't out as long. Well, isn't out for long and he can get back into the fold. But, um, oh, there is one more storyline. The buyout market. You know, which team picks up that one guy who was cast off from one team and finds a significant role with a new team that helps them out in the playoff run. We just saw Goran Dragic sign with the Nets. Dragic isn't a guy that, you know, I was, you know, clamoring for. He's 36 years old. Don't really know how much he has left in the tank, but he is a veteran presence in the backcourt that I think with a team like Brooklyn can help as a bench, you know, point guard so you know that's one move there some of these other guys on the buyout market or well some guys that they're talking about for the buyout market haven't necessarily been released by their current team yet I believe the deadline for that is March 1st they have to be released by their current team in order to be on the playoff roster for a new team to pick them up so that's another thing to watch some of these teams that didn't do anything at the trade deadline Maybe they jump into the bio market to hopefully find the missing piece. And yeah, so that was the last storyline for me. But uh, so like I said before, let me know what team you're watching. I'm watching the Celtics. Hopefully they can make, you know, they're in six now. Maybe they can make the jump to the top four. We'll see. 
Uh, Tatum and Brown, they continue their you know, improved play. I think they'll be fine. So that's where I'm at. But um, yeah. So let me know your thoughts on the second half of the NBA season. Um, I guess before I get out of here, I I guess I have to talk about the All Star break, All Star weekend, real quick. It is what it is at this point. You know, I know a lot of people are talking about the dunk contest being the worst or whatever. It is what it is. Big stars aren't in it. So this is what you're going to get. Now, that doesn't mean you can't have, you know, new names in the dunk contest, young guys. But they need to get guys who are going to put on a show. That's been the problem the last few years. These guys just aren't showmen. And we had to sit there. We okay. We had to sit there and watch Cole Anthony put on some tins for like ten minutes, just to miss a what would be kind of simple dunk, like three times, maybe even four times before he did like a simple windmill dunk. That lets you know about the dunk contest. Three point contest is still the best part of All Star Weekend for me, and it, it was that. We saw Carl Anthony Towns win it, and, you know, he did it for the big men. The skills competition, they changed it. I was okay with it, whatever. And celebrity game, I mean, it's the celebrity game. You know what you're getting. The best part of the weekend was definitely the uh, NBA 75th celebration where they brought out all the guys and, you know, we saw them kind of mingling around and talking. That was the best part of All-Star Weekend. Michael Jordan clowning with people was great. So that was that's my little quick, what was that, like minute and a half roundup of All-Star Weekend. There we go. So hopefully, hopefully you liked this episode. If you did, you know what to do. Like, subscribe, follow, all that good stuff. Share it with a friend. Uh, follow me over at Twitter. I mean, over on Twitter at Chomping Podcast. Interact with me there. Um, leave a comment, review, whatever platform you're listening to this on. And um, yeah, so as I always say, be safe out there. God bless. I'll catch you in the next episode. All right. Have a great day. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply.